Welcome to ICP with We. In the name of Biblical References, Backward Talking, and Dot Coms, this is our ongoing examination of the Insane Clown Posse. I'm Eric. And I'm Aaron. And today we're reviewing Dark Lotus's 2001 album, Tales from the Lotus Pod. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of ICP with We. Do I see you pee anymore? No. But much like life, we all see each other pee in our own ways. In what ways? I thought you were going to say much like a urologist. I still see pee. I feel like we all see see each other pee. I, I don't see other people pee almost ever. I had some peripheral peeing uh, happening in my eyes uh, when I was at the Harry Styles show last night. You saw Harry Styles' dick? No, no, I didn't. I wish. Oh. Boy, do I wish. Do you? I think it'd be cool. I, I mean, it'd be a story to tell. Yeah, I'd be, I, it, that would definitely be like a hit at a cocktail party. Probably. Or around the water cooler. Or, yeah, business meeting. Yeah. You know, or when you meet with your financial loan uh, person. Advisor? Yeah, advisor. Financial advisor? Your CPA? Guess, yeah. Be something funny to tell, like at a funeral or something. In confession? To lighten the mood. Yeah, in confession, definitely. Probably probably told there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw Harry Styles' dick. <laughs> the priest would be like... Inhale Mary! The priest would be like, son, there's no sin in that. And you'd be like, but I felt lust. And he would be like, to hell with you! <laughs> <laughs> yes wouldn't that be fun ladies and gentlemen we're in the ladies middle and of our intro right now i i want to introduce my co-host with the co-most aaron aaron oh how are my you? goodness I, i'm i listen i'm doing fantastic eric i'm doing fantastic you are my co-host with the co-most as well i hope you know that we are each other's co-host with the co-most we are co-hosts with the co-most co-soulmates exactly that's exactly what we are you've you've um you've had a lot going on in the world i've had a lot going on in the world we're we're here in our little oasis now away from the chaos of work and and house and uh all of the other insanity going on you had a little oasis last night hanging out with your buddy harry styles yes hanging out with my good friend harry styles we go way back i've seen his dick tell your friends is his name really his name, or is it like a joke about his hair? Like, like uh, he was in One Direction, right? Yes, he was. And has, like, a lot of big hair or something. And, like, is Harry Styles, like, was that like a a pseudonym, a joke name? Like, oh, yeah, Hair Styles. Oh, it's actually short for Harrison uh, Stylestein. Oh, oh, he is a Jewish artist. I of understand. Course. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Very. Okay. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that, but you know, me being such good friends with him and seeing his dick, tell your friends, I know that. 
Absolutely. Uh, how was the show? I'm glad I wasn't there. That's not a kind of music that I can get into, but I'm. If you um, enjoyed it, that's what matters. It was. It was fantastic. I had a great time. You know, I'm sure every single person that listens to this show tuned in just to hear about Harry Styles' dick. They did. Uh, show's over, guys. I've seen his dick. Tell your friends. <laughs> whoop whoop. <laughs> 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 yeah, no. Uh, show was fun and. Had a great time. How has your life been? My life has been hectic. Just, just you know, I, I vaguely referenced it. I don't think I'm going to get too much deeper into it. I don't need to air all of my insanity. But I will say this. Hanging out in Discord with all of our friends and chatting about things and doing the show are are my ways of escape. The other way that I escape is to sit down and listen to Tales from the Lotus Pod, which I'll admit I've been listening to off and on just because I like it <laughs> since uh, probably since we wrapped up season three. So uh, this is an unfair, like not only do I have familiarity with it, but I've been listening to this one for the last few weeks. You son of a bitch. I am a son of a bitch. Just... <laughs> Um, I have also been listening to Tales from the Lotus Pod and Ooh. been enjoying it. Hey. Um, hello. Spoiler alert. I mean, we're giving some away at the top here, but. Yeah. You know, it's a little giveaway. A but little I, I guess not necessarily enjoying. I mean, who knows if I've enjoyed the music yet? We haven't got to it yet. Well, we don't know if I have either. my time spent. Yes. Prepping. That's exactly it. For the podcast. That's yes. exactly it. Yes. Good save, you knuckleheads. And I will say that uh, Genius was in much better shape for this album. I did go in and spend some time with it, and I was able to help a few things, but um, so much better than the Riders albums. Love to hear it. Yeah. Love no, I it. did not find really any consistent inconsistencies other than maybe a couple spelling errors. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, hey, I mean, we're already talking about it. So let's just continue talking about it. Do you want you want to get into this? Let's 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 get into this. We got it. We need listen. Guys, Eric has been an incredible historian for us throughout the tenure of this podcast. I've tried. And it's gonna go on for ten years. Yes. <laughs> uh <laughs> that's what tenure means. So you right. just sign a 10-year contract. Or once you've been someplace for 10 years, they hand you a card that says 10-year on it, and you're like, tenure. oh, I've got 10-year. Look at that. Yeah. Okay. I have 10-year, sir. Oh, congratulations <laughs> on your 10th anniversary at your company. <laughs> oh, someday I'll get there. Uh, I'm only two years in. I aspire yeah, to I've it. Got, I've got two-year right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> All right, let's talk about Anyways, Tales from the let's Lotus Let's talk about Pod. Tales from the Lotus Pod. Eric, yeah. you've been a historian. Thanks. Keep going. You're doing great. Uh, Tell we, me about stuff. I've got a lot of history for us today, uh, both about Dark Lotus, the entity, and about this album. Uh, and to be clear, on this episode, we are only talking about the original release of Tales from the Lotus Pod. That is the red version. When I say red version, with a red cross on the cover. So... I've I've been waiting to talk about this one for a while because 
Throughout our first three seasons, there were a lot of references to Dark Lotus woven in. And I think we even heard a couple of songs uh, on some of the like psychopathics from outer space and things like that. Right. But I've been waiting to talk about them. And researching this was even more interesting than I thought because I thought I knew a lot about it and there was a whole lot that I didn't know. So we heard, when I say we, I don't mean you and I, I mean people that were listening to ICP heard about Dark Lotus for years before an album ever actually materialized. Apparently, the original concept was for all of the current psychopathic artists, which is ICP, Twisted, and Misery. This was in 1998, uh, to come together and and form uh, an entity that would be one group. And I guess when they collaborated for Meat Cleaver, which was on Twisted's first album, and we reviewed way back in episode 17 on Psychopathics from Outer Space, it's not regarded as a Lotus song, but that was like where they were like, whoa, we should do a whole group where we all do verses together because this is pretty sick. And it was pretty sick. We talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about Misery's departure from the label, uh, but they they came up with this idea, right, where it's going to be all five of them together. But unfortunately, Misery ended up leaving the group, so they... They didn't do anything with Misery. Apparently, they record... Now, allegedly, there may have been some stuff that they worked on, but I've never heard a song. And I tend to believe that with ICP, if anything was ever recorded for any reason, they're going to find a way to release it. So we would have heard it. You know, Of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, but so without Misery, it was just ICP and Twisted. And with that lineup, they actually recorded their first song, which is called Echo Side. And it was actually supposed to be on the Dark Lotus album. But surprise, surprise, there were some production delays with it. And they ultimately ended up putting that song on the Amazing Jekyll Brothers in 1999. So even though it was released on an ICP album, Echo Side is regarded as the first Dark Lotus song. I'm not a huge fan of that song. I know a lot of people love it, but... It didn't do a lot for me. It's funny that they consider that to be a Dark Lotus song, but there are lots of tracks even before that that have ICP and Twisted together. So what makes that different? Oh, yeah. I guess yeah, I feel like that's kind of uh, right. arbitrary. Right. So anyway, after that, they tried to add Isham to the group, which kind of made sense. Uh, he was... He's he is and isn't part of that crew. You know what I mean? Like, he was around first. He's intertwined. Oh, absolutely. But... Yeah, so I guess he he officially joined and even recorded some verses. The one that I've always heard about is, and I've never listened to the song. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. But uh, on Bizarre Bizarre, there's a song called What? And apparently Isham was originally on that track and even references being part of Dark Lotus. Uh, but they took the verse out and put Twisted in. And he left the group mm. before anything was really released. And then... Later, it was announced, and this one actually makes sense, uh, that Blaze had joined the group. And shortly after that, Vampiro was announced as the sixth and final member of the group. Now, if you're not familiar with Vampiro, uh, he was a WCW wrestler at the time with, as far as I can tell, no real previously released music or rap experience. That lineup, that those six people actually did record a song. It's called Maniac Killer, which was released on Twisted's second album, Freak Show. And the song on the album is actually credited to Dark Lotus. And you haven't heard that song, but we did review the outtakes 
from that uh, with the same mm. beat. And it's called When Vampiro Gets High. That was on Forgotten Freshness Volume 3. And we both, uh, I remember you being like, why is this here? I don't understand what this is. Well, when you listen to that, it's very apparent that it made no sense to try and wedge Vampiro into any sort of group. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is a song that needs an incredible amount of backstory. Yes, it really does. <laughs> so at some point later, it was announced that to me at that point, pretty unknown artist named Mars was going to replace Vampiro. And that was the final lineup for Dark Lotus. So it was ICP, Twisted Blaze and Mars. Now I want to talk a little bit about Mars here, because if you don't know who he is, like I would assume most people don't. Uh, he is a musician named, and I'm going to try not to destroy the name, uh, Zlatko Hukic. How would you say that? Zlatko Hukic. Zlatko Hukic is yeah. how I would have pronounced Z- yeah. it. Yeah. So Zlatko Hukic. Uh, apologies if I'm saying it wrong, but he, I've always heard he used to be in ministry. Now, I really liked some of the early ministry stuff, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But when I dug into this, uh... The story isn't as clear cut. Apparently, he was supposedly the guitarist for Ministry from 1996 to 1999. Although, if you look at the album credits from the albums that dropped during that time, Filth Pig and Dark Side of the Spoon, Zlatko Hukic is credited as additional personnel for both contributing engineer and guitar electronics for the albums, respectively. Mm. So, not listed as a member, just listed in the credits. And honestly, I think... Saying that anybody is a member of ministry is pretty questionable because the only real member is Al Jurgensen and for almost 20 years, I guess, Paul Barker. It was like the two of them. It was like a two-man project that they would bring other people in. But here's what happened. Apparently, Mars was a tech working at a recording studio in Chicago called Chicago Tracks, and ministry was recording there, and Al Jurgensen asked him to help with Filth Pig. And apparently things went well, so they asked Mars to join the band, and Mars toured with them for a few years. I, I, you know, again, kind of ambiguous there. You can work with them on the recording. You can be a touring musician. I guess that means you're in the band. But Mars left it's ministry. A, yeah, hazy. Right, kind of hazy. Uh, Mars eventually left ministry and went on to record his own like industrial rap hybrid album called Lung Fu Mo Shi which I looked up and is Cantonese. Apparently it's something that it's, it's like a stuntman phrase. And I think it means tiger dragon martial arts master or something like that. That's the translation, but that album released in 2000 Mars then formed his own industrial rap hybrid band called Mars. This is also blurry between him as a solo act and as a band, they're both called Mars. And I think the band was performing songs from that album as well, but there were also Former other former members of ministry in the band. Again, it's it's weird and ambiguous. But that band did two national tours opening for ICP. And I think I've mentioned this. I know I've mentioned this at least once, but a couple of times before on the show. I actually saw Mars open for ICP about four months before the first Lotus album came out. And in my opinion, Mars was not great, and I couldn't understand why this guy was involved with Psychopathic, because I was like, oh, this is pretty lame. I don't get why this is part of this whole thing. But apparently Jay was impressed with Mars on these tours, so plans were made for Mars to leave his current label, sign with Psychopathic, and join Dark Lotus. And that's where our story will end for now, until next week. 
Ooh, bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. But let's talk about the album itself real quick here. The official album released on July 17th, 2001, two days after the second gathering of the Juggalos. Now, just a reminder, in the ICP timeline, this album would have released between Bizarre Bizarre and Forgotten Freshness, Volume 3, and just a few days after Psychopathic Rida's album, Ride and Dirte, which we reviewed last week. So... When the album released, it hit number one on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart, number six on the top independent album charts, and 158 on the Billboard 200, which surprises me that it did so well on the other two charts, but although, I mean, you listen to this, it's probably not going to be a, a huge mainstream seller. There's no radio singles here. Right. Interesting thing to note here, something that maybe I knew at the time, but didn't occur to me until I just saw this, but this is the first proper national release album, not a Joe and Joey Records kind of thing, but an actual release since ICP and Twisted left Island Records, or were asked to leave. Ambiguous. Who knows? We've talked about that quite a bit as well. I think that there are people that will say both directions, but uh, we've also, here's another thing we've talked about in the past. Um, Mikey Clark was originally supposed to produce this whole album. And I think was producing tracks early on throughout all those iterations when they were figuring stuff out. But this was being recorded around the same time and probably immediately after Bizarre Bizarre. And that's when there was that big falling out and creative differences and fighting. And Mikey Clark was like, I'm out. He left the project after allegedly only producing four songs. Now, Fritz the Cat, who had worked with Twisted previously, and Mike P stepped into complete production for the album. But there are no clear credits anywhere available for this. So people are just kind of guessing which ones are which. And when we listen, some of them you can kind of tell, feel a little like they were produced previous to the other ones because the sound is a little different. And I suspect some of those are the Mikey Clark tracks. But the album itself, outside of not having those production titles or production info listed, is pretty mysterious. There are no song titles listed. There's nothing on the back, just a, a black. It's not even a barcode. They put a sticker on the packaging for a barcode. So there was no info listed anywhere on this thing. Uh, and also the members, when they perform, rather than wearing all their normal face paint, because they they don't take on new personas like they did for Psychopathic Riders. They are all still them. It's still Blaze and Twisted and ICP. But they don't wear their normal face paint. For Dark Lotus performances, they paint crosses on their faces. And that sounds dumb, but it's actually pretty scary when you look at it. I think it's very cool. And uh, here's a fun note. Actually, I think most people probably know this because Violent J is pretty outspoken about it. He does not like this album. He associates all of the bad things and failed relationships and things that he encountered around that time with this. And he said... That basically, uh, you know, the beats are cool and the raps are cool, but it 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 puts me in a in in a mood that I don't like. I don't like the vibe of this, you know. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And even you know, when they were supposed to reunite and perform this album in its entirety, like as a reunion, was supposed to be. I'm and I may have this wrong, but I'm I'm gonna. You can correct me, listeners, if I've got it wrong. But I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be one of the headlining dates for juggalo day and that was like 
right when everything imploded with Twisted and they canceled and pulled all the Magic Ninja artists off the lineup. And it was like just yet another like, hey, it's supposed to be the anniversary of of this. We're bringing everybody together to do this. It's the 15 year like reunion. And again, the the bad news and bad vibes and failed relationships followed it. So only solidifies that for Jay, I think. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So that's the album info, and that's some of the history of Dark Lotus and who the fuck Mars is, because all these other people we've encountered, Mars came out of nowhere. Yes. Did not know who that was. Uh, loved reading the backstory on him mm-hmm. in the liner, in the uh, the show notes that we that you, you sent me. Can't wait to see what the rest of the story is. Oh, boy. I'll tell you next week. You tune in next week. To be continued. Or we could do like a we could do like a who's that Pokemon type of thing. Like who's that Pokemon member? You gotta Mars, you, and then you're like, wait, who? <laughs> you gotta catch them all. There's so many previous members to Dark Lotus. I also wonder how many people, at one point or another, just conversationally, they were like, "Yo, you should be part of Dark Lotus," because it kind of felt like at one point they were just like anybody they were friends with. They were like, "Yo, you're in the group. You're in the group. Yeah, yeah." yeah. Good times. Good times. Good times. Guys, that was a lot of information, a lot of useful information, not a lot of non-useful information. In fact, I would say approximately zero non-useful information. Fuck yeah. That means my KTD is excellent. Oh, it's immaculate, my friend. Why, thank you. With that being said, guys, let's get into our review. As always, starting with the album cover. Eric, yeah. I have one question for you. Yes. Is this Tales from the Lotus Pod or is this 1997's The Ozman Cometh? It's Tales from the Lotus Pod. It looks very similar. I don't know what that looks like. Ozman it's it's a gold cross that says Ozzy on it, like engraved on it, uh on just a black background. Oh, well, wait uh, until you see next week's album cover, friend. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> Um, I, I have, I, I have, I have seen this. I have seen this. I, you know what though? That's a fine album cover. This Aussie cover. It's fine. I think the dark Lotus cover is cooler. Personally, dark Lotus cover is cooler, but the, the Osman cometh. I like better just because first of all, it's because I've seen this album cover since like sixth grade. The Aussie I, one. Yes. Uh, so it is. So I know the Osman cometh very well because I've seen it since you know I've been listening to it and uh, seeing this album cover since sixth grade. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not a big Aussie fan, but I do remember that album coming out. I remember that cover. I think it's clean and interesting. But that's not the one we're reviewing. We're reviewing Dark Lotus Tales from the Lotus Pod, which is cooler because the cross on this album cover is like. Uh, metallic like it's shiny yes so that's cool and i actually i really like the simplicity of this i like the 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 group name and then the script in the background like the gray on the black on black script that says tales from lotus pod i think that's cool it's, it's very we the people a little bit yeah but i know but i i do like it i think that it this is a very uh simple and sharp looking uh album cover yeah, yeah, there's there's a certain mystery to it, but I think the design 
and just ex- I think the even more than the, the the design, I think the execution is really clean. I think it's a sick Execu- album. Cover. Yeah, 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 execution of it is very clean. I agree. Yeah. And I love that the whole album had really no information on. It. I love that the the back was just pure black and that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, perfect. There's not much to say about it because there's not really much to it. Uh, yeah. But it's a fantastic looking album cover. Definitely shrouds it in mystery. In mystery. In mystery. You think uh, the gang in the mystery machine was was jamming some Dark Lotus while they were going to catch some some monsters? I hope so. And if they weren't, then they're idiots. Then they're fucking idiot, stupid, dumb, stoner dog babies. Stupid fart heads. They're stupid fart heads that keep losing their glasses like dumb idiots. Stupid, dumb idiots. Wearing neckerchiefs. Jinkies. Yeah, jinkies my butt, bitch. <laughs> Let's go track by track. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's fucking do it. Let's go track by track. Uh, it is that time. There are 16 tracks. The first one being, like usual, an intro. Eric, take it away. So first and foremost, every time I hear this, I think it sounds like Zordon from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> because it really does. During each cycle of life on this very planet, you have a beginning and you have an ending. Alpha managed to save enough of your old Zords to create the new Zords. Zords with unbelievable powers. Call for the new Zords when you need them and they will come. But also, this is a super interesting intro to me because it's not establishing some new musical entity with their own shtick or concept. It's clarifying in very direct terms that Dark Lotus and this album take place within ICP's Joker's Cards timeline and within the Dark Carnival mythology. This also might be the most direct explanation of ICP's message and theming, and this intro, along with many songs on this album, very directly set up the concepts of the Wraith. Some of their intros are like, oh yeah, that was cool, or that was fun, or that was a little long. This one was actually them being about as direct as you can be, I, I thought. What did you think? This there, yeah, this was a get in, get informed, get out, very direct intro you're right the dark carnival is directly mentioned yep. the sixth joker's card is directly mentioned yep it, i mean my first note was not, i mean this is in the icp averse yeah yeah which is dope which is which is nice it's not the these personas like golden goldies or like Rida's. it is more um, quote-unquote real yeah yeah, you know, it, it's part of the um, story. It's building. It's building the universe. Right. It, you're right. It's part of a story. It's part of the story. Yes, uh, it is. It is helping the lore. Add and some meaning. That, so I was I was very uh, stoked on that. But yeah. yeah, no, the great intro. Very good production value on it as well. Yeah, I don't know who that voice is. I, I keep thinking I'm like, um, it's you know, it's not like a, a legs diamond or something because he clearly wasn't involved by this point. But I'm like, is this Jump Steady just with his voice pitched down? Because Jump Steady does tons of intros. I just, I'm not sure. So, guys, I've always thought it was Jump Steady, but I don't know for sure. Oh, my God. Rob. Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Rob. 
<laughs> Sorry. I just keep checking and every now and then I pop in and listen because you haven't seen the yet. It's funny because <laughs> because you were a guest before, you have access to this. Everybody else is locked out, but I didn't even see you pop in, but that was amazing. Yeah, no, that was great. That was great. I've been there for about a minute. I'm in line at Starbucks, and I was like, I'm going to have to exit soon before they get to the store. So I thought I'd say hi. Hello. Oh, yes, we'll absolutely. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, And thank you for uh your hypothesis of it being jump steady. Yeah, we appreciate I, I do, you. I think so. I think that's who it is. Anyway, I'm going to go. All Sounds right. good. Bye, hey, Rob. Enjoy your, enjoy your Starbucks, Rob. I'll catch you later. <laughs> that was good hilarious. Time, guys. <laughs> Rob, what is a juggalo with the absolute information? <laughs> that's Chuck, amazing. you're on fucking notice. We have Rob now. <laughs> oh, fuck. Dude, it would be amazing if just randomly Rob just popped in whenever we were like, oh, we have a question. And Rob was like, uh, excuse me, I do have answers for you. Uh, I do have answers. Okay, stop. Enough with the jokes. Although, I would gladly take Rob over the two of you. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's move time. on to the second track here. I, I, I should mention, again... The album has no track titles listed, and from what I know, there was never an official here are the names of the songs. However, in a few different places, there were some of them called out, and when you look at the streaming services for like at least the new version of the album, there are track titles. So right. uh, some of these are maybe the titles, but who knows for sure. This one seems about right. Uh, this one is called Alibaba. What did you think? Um, Dark is right when it comes to Dark Lotus. This song, my well, first of all, my first note is, and Eric, I'm, I'm, I was as soon as you said that you knew Mars and you watched him open or watched them rather, I guess, open yeah. for ICP. Uh, I was a little nervous because I thought Mars is actually kind of pretty dope on a lot of these songs. <laughs> Oh, Mar- Mars uh, is this one. pretty dope on some of these songs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you, you you just didn't like his original stuff, I guess? Correct. Okay. Okay. I, I was hoping that was going to be the case. Yeah, because he's legitimately got some good fucking flows. This being one of them. This this first, uh, oh, I guess he's on the second verse because Shaggy's on the first. But um, his verse was really dope. Uh, I like I like the beat. I think the chorus was pretty catchy. There's a lot of backwards talking in this song and throughout the entire album. It is a theme that is recurring a lot. I think that uh, Mars and Monoxide were the two standouts. I think Monoxide's tone fits very well with this t- type. You know, we were talking about how yeah. uh, on last week right on Rida's, some of their tones just don't really fit that style that they're trying to rip. Whereas they're not ripping any styles on this. This is their style of music. So we're not, I don't see any, I think there's maybe one point where later in the album, somebody does something weird and I call them out for it saying that that didn't fit with the tone at all. But other than that, like that's it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I feel like Jay's verse was a little too silly for this song, though. Which again is something that I think, not in every song, but is a recurring thing that we I, I will bring up yeah. a couple of times here and there. Good. Okay. Good. So we are on the same page as that with yeah. that. This song being one of the songs 
that I think he was a little too silly for. It is very apparent very quickly. Dark Lotus, you know, if you hadn't guessed by their fucking name in the intro at this point, it's dark. Yes. It's serious. It uh, definitely veers more toward traditional horrorcore elements than even some of ICP stuff, which leans a little more on, you know, I, I hate to say fun or pop or humor or mainstream sounds and themes. Uh, very little of that on this album. Yeah, no, this is a straightforward horrorcore album for sure. Uh, and so even though ICP is horrorcore, you're right. They have the more silly elements to them to, uh, to make them, I guess, more accessible, palatable. Yeah. Yeah. Accessible, palatable for sure. Uh, and, and on this song, Violent J didn't get the memo that it was a Dark Lotus song, not an ICP <laughs> song because he was a little, little silly on it. But yeah, no, outside of that, I think that this song was uh, pretty fucking cool. Madrox and Blaze both had really good verses as well. Good setup for the tone of this album, I think. Yeah, you know, and before I even jump into my my, my real thoughts here, I, I will bring up my thoughts on some of Jay's verses here and there, uh, but it's difficult to separate, right? Uh, it, this isn't a Rydus album, and Dark Lotus... Yeah is equally an ICP project and not ICP. We've established that this is part of, of their theme and messaging and universe. So in some ways it is ICP, but it's its own thing as well. So it's really difficult to, to separate those things. But here are my True. thoughts on the track, though. I have always wondered what Alibaba and all of the vague Middle Eastern theming and references have to do with the concept of Dark Lotus. And we've talked about this before, but ICP incorporates uh, off and on a lot of Middle Eastern references and sounds. And I, I think we talked about it a little bit when we reviewed Steve Meets Abu, and I, I know I talked with Jiggles about it, and I think Rob has quite a few thoughts on this concept. Rob? No, he's not here. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in this song, they, they do sort of vacillate between like legitimate biblical references. And if you look up some of the, the words and things that they're referencing, there are some actual biblical references here and like Arabic folk tales. There, there's, there's, you know, mystical things mixed in with the biblical stuff. And there's also, yeah. I think throughout this album and at the top of this song, there are like, words taken from like Aleister Crowley's writings and stuff, which is, I think part of the intro of this song, but we're talking about Alibaba. If you're familiar with the story of Alibaba and the 40 thieves, and this is, this is my theory of why they chose this, this song, why they chose to talk about Alibaba and this theme. But you're, I, I mean, I think everybody has heard of Alibaba and the 40 thieves and, you know, 1001 nights and the, the stories that go with that. But, I don't think there's a lot of people that are super familiar with what the actual story is. I think most people, if you ask, you're like, oh, what is it? And they would say, oh, he says, open sesame, and it opens the cave. But there's a lot more to the story. I think there are a lot of aspects of Alibaba's story and teachings that go along with that story that actually align with ICP's ideologies regarding wealth and greed and loyalty. And I think that might be part of the reason for the choice or... <laughs> It could be just because it sounds mysterious and mystical. Who knows? Do you know that Who story? Knows. Are you familiar um, with it? I have not heard it in so long, like literally since I was a kid. 
Okay, I can. What I'm most familiar uh, with, as far as Alibaba goes, is his badass sword. That's not a thing. The Alibaba sword. Not in this story. But you know what an Alibaba sword is, right? I don't. I mean, are you talking about a scimitar? It's It's a badass sword. Oh. So here's the story of Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. There's two brothers born. One is Alibaba, and he lives a simple life as a woodcutter and lives with his wife, and he's poor. And then his brother marries a rich woman, and he's greedy, and he's rich, and he's shitty, right? Well, one day Alibaba happens to overhear these 40 thieves using a magic word, open sesame, to open a cave where they're keeping all of their riches and the things they've stolen. So he hears the magic words to get in and to get out. Now, one day he goes back and he takes just one bag of gold coins, right? Because he's not greedy. He just wants to be able to, you know, feed his family and stuff. And his brother's family essentially finds out about this. The, oh, you took this money. So his brother then goes and uses the magic word to get in and he's going to like rob the place blind. Well, he forgets how to get back out. So the thieves come back. And they kill his brother and quarter him and hang the pieces around the cave like, this is what's going to happen if you come in here. Long story short, the 40 thieves basically find out that Alibaba knows how to get in and out of the cave. And Alibaba has a slave that is helping to protect him. And every time the thieves try to kill him, this slave thwarts it and ends up killing all of the thieves, leaving the only person left that knows how to get in and out of the cave and get the riches to be Alibaba. And Alibaba sets the slave free and then rewards her by marrying her to one of his sons. And then she is wealthy as well. So there's, I think there are a lot of teachings in there that I think that ICP you know, understands about greed and about loyalty and about honesty and morality. I think there's a lot going on there. And I didn't tell every detail of the story, but I right. I can't help but imagine that they didn't by chance choose Alibaba just randomly. No, I, they, 100%. I don't think they did. Yeah. So no matter what the reason they chose it, I think this whole thing is a vibe. It's a total mood. The music sounds great. It fits with the theme uh, of this vague, mysterious Middle Eastern sounding elements. It's a great opening track because it brings a ton of energy after that intro. And I think when you hear this song, you understand what Dark Lotus is. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about Mars's verse on this track, but I do think it's very representative of what he brings to the table. So you know what you're getting. I think everybody on this track sounds good. For me, Blaze is the one that totally crushes this track. Uh, I also love the hook on it. You're right. It's it's super catchy. Some of it's gibberish words, but it's very cool. Look at that. Well, hey, let's move on to the next song. A song that is called Something. Yes. Or possibly called Cripple and Rape Me. That's how I've seen it listed in other places. But I th- Either of the two. Right. We have talked about this song before on Forgotten Freshness, Volume 3. There's a song called It. This was one of two songs that resulted from a random late night recording session between Jay and Mike Clark. And some of the elements from that song, It, from the basically demo of this actually still remain here. The whole hook is the same. And that Mm. bridge with the that dog is talking to me. All of that is from that original version that we heard on Forgotten Freshness, Volume 3. Again, I noted this, and and we talked about it a bit in Discord, but 
I think the dog is talking to me and like telling me to murder stuff is a Son of Sam reference because David Berkowitz claimed that his neighbor's dog was telling him to kill people. Right. I think my least favorite thing on this whole album is that at the beginning of this song, Jay says, your butthole just spit in your pants. Because this song is so fucking hard and unnerving and weird, that line just feels stupid and off theme to me. Like... Like that, if if you left that yeah. line out, this song to me would be even better. But I really love this beat. I think Shaggy and Monoxide and Madrox and Blaze all have great verses at the top. Then after the hook, Mars has a verse that I think thematically works, but lyrically doesn't really feel like it's supposed to even be in this song because he's talking about building spaceships out of barbecue potato chips and rabbit shit. But then Shaggy follows up with a verse that also doesn't feel like it should be in the song or any song about... Uh, watching a woman through the window and then jumping through the window to gag her with his stiffy again. But then I think at the end, Madrox and Blaze deliver verses that are so fucking hard. Madrox talking about his abusive family and Blaze talking about killing cops. So good. After the bridge, Shaggy and Madrox have two more super hard verses. I think this is a great track. I just wish I could remove the few elements that I don't like and make it an even better track. But what did you think? My first note is this song is hard as hell. Jay's stupid intro should be left out, though. Yes. Prefacing something as being scary doesn't make it scarier. It makes it have to live up to even more expectations. See, I I don't have a big problem with Jay at the beginning saying what's really scary is not knowing what it is. You know, what is is because the song is about, you know, voices in your head telling you to to do things and right okay yeah i think explaining it but your butthole just spit in your pants i'm like what his yeah what he's saying there isn't necessarily the issue it's more of how he said it or or the verbiage that he used to try and convey how scary it is yeah yeah chorus is very catchy the beat is dark and cool Shaggy's weird, I don't even know what that was kind of verse was off-putting. I uh, I did recognize the bridge from something that we previously did. I could not for the life of me remember what it was and never really looked it up. So I'm glad you said said yep. what it was because it yep. was kind of driving me nuts this morning. But um, yeah, no, th- this uh, this is a fucking hard song. It's a great song. I I completely agree with you, though. I just wish we could change it the way we would change it to make it an even better song. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still think it's a great song. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's move on to track four then. Track four is called Hurt Myself. Uh, tell us your thoughts on this one. Violent J is horny, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> referencing, of course, his intro uh, saying pain is sexual and I'm horny. Yeah. This song was pretty fucking sick. Honestly, the, I mean, this song was dark as hell. I mean, it's called I Hurt Myself. The first verse is is Violent J talking about being tied to a, a gurney and, and slamming his head back on, on the metal gurney until a broken bone pierces his brain. Yeah, that, um, that verse is pretty fucking hard. Yeah, no, Violent J just comes right out of the fucking gate and says, 
this is the tone of the song deal with it yeah <laughs> kind of thing you know what i mean yeah this song is fucking hard as shit chorus was just okay i think it wasn't terrible i think that uh monoxide absolutely fucking destroyed his verse talking about taking a razor blade dipping it in gas and then trying to take some skin off of his calf yeah and when it all heals i'll pick the scabs being his last line was just oh my god that was so amazing uh but mars was great on this one madrox was great he said self-defecation don't think that's what he quite meant and somebody on uh genius called it out to say i think he meant self-mutilation see i edited that annotation because i'm 99% 99% positive he meant self-deprecation, which is like it's like yeah. it's like reprimanding yourself through belittling or hurting things like that. Usually right. not meant in a physical sense, but I'm sure what he meant was not defecation but deprecation. I, although that self-mutilation make sense, yeah. makes sense as well, but right. I think that this whole song was fucking amazing. It, yeah. it was dark as hell. There wasn't anything really that overly stood out as not really fitting in other than Shaggy uh, blasting a uh, a F slur in his verse. Outside of that, you know, I think this song was great. You know, it's funny. I've heard this song so many times that didn't even stand out to me because I've just heard it so many times. Right. Yeah. It, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'll say this. At the top, Jay, I, I also had a note about him saying pain is sexual and I'm horny. I think that's weird because he says it at the beginning, but thematically that concept is never referenced again throughout the song except at the very end. When yeah, he brings it's immediately that lost until the yeah. outro, which is just him. It yeah. doesn't destroy the song or anything. I just, you know, it's not, and I'm actually glad that's not the theme of the song because we've already heard that song and it's called I Like It Rough and I Don't Want to Hear It Again. But yeah. Again, Jay's verse off the top is like immediately hard. Like at first, you know, I, I even remember the first time I heard it thinking, okay, he's he's in a mosh pit, he's hitting trees. But then when it gets to that point where he's like bashing his head till his skull cracks, I'm like, oh my God, this is this is wild. But I love this beat. Again, this whole song, again, is a is a vibe and a mood. And I know that some of this was born of necessity, but I think this Mikey Clark and Fritz the Cat combination, and I guess Mike P in there somewhere, this is a winning production combination because this album has so much cool music on it. Uh, Even though there's no production information available, so I don't know who did what, but I think mixing all these people together worked and they should have stuck with that. But I personally, I love the hook on this one. You know, this song is about people being uncontrollably compelled to commit acts of self-harm. And the hook is a woman saying, why do you hurt yourself when you know I love you? I was like, wow, that adds a whole nother layer to this song. It's not just about hurting yourself. It's then somebody on the outside, you know, questioning it. And and it adds a layer of mental anguish to it right i'm i'm i right. can't stop doing this you know you're asking me why but i i can't i personally do not love mars's verse in this one but i do think it works i think i think my favorite verse on this one is madrox's verse at the end because it actually describes some of the types of self-harm a person might commit without being too over the top or dramatic a lot of that stuff is pretty realistic and things that somebody might do which is scary 
And uh, yeah, I think you're right. I doubt that he meant self-defecation, which I can't tell if that means eating yourself and shitting yourself out or just shitting yourself, which I guess would be shitting your pants. I don't know. I never even considered it would be eating yourself and shitting yourself out. Yeah, I don't know. But that's that is, yeah. that is that adds a whole new layer. <laughs> that does. That does. But I think this is a this song is so hard. It's so hard. Oh yeah, this song is great. This song is great. No, I I completely agree. Well, hey, let's go ahead and move on to the next one then. Uh and that would be track number 5, Call Upon Your Gods. Yeah. Hit me with it. This is this is another beat that I really really like. And it's it's kind of funny because as dark as this song sounds and seems off the top if you just listen to it you'd be like this is scary as fuck. I think this track comes straight out and tells you what ICP is about to announce in thy unveiling at the end of the Wraith Shangri-La. It's oh, pretty yeah. direct. Oh yeah. It's pretty direct, but I remember listening to it and not thinking that when this came out we didn't know it yet. It just felt like another element of the morality that they have always woven into their music. But it was like just vague and just ambiguous enough that it wasn't 100% clear whether they were denouncing religion and people who claim religion as a means of atonement or whether they were defending God and religion. Because at that time, I mean, there there were two types of groups that made religious reference. One was Christian bands and one was anti-Christian bands, right? And on a song like this with the tone and language and content, it was really hard to tell. So it just sounded dark, right? Now, in retrospect, it's super obvious what they were talking about here, but this song still sounds hard as fuck. And all the religion and God references mixed with the dark and violent lyrics, it adds a, a sense of weight and a somber tone here. But I think it's actually kind of a positive song. You know, at the top, we've got Violent J talking about death row inmates turning to God, hoping to be forgiven for their sins because they know they're going to die. And then on the hook, you've got following that theme. It's kind of bringing back around to the intro of the album, referencing what's going to happen after you die, right? Like, Life's going to end, but there's no end to time. And basically, you're going to answer for what you've done in some regard. I think Blaze and Shaggy's verses on this this one are my favorites. Monoxide makes a Son of Sam reference in this verse, which I mentioned earlier when we talked about something. So there's a couple of those here. I think Jamie Madrox and Mars end this song with very direct verses that don't even hide the theming of this song, but they sound super hard. This is actually one of the verses I like best from Mars, I think, on this album. But yeah, I think this is a cool song. What'd you think? I thought that the intro uh, up top, Violent J, I thought that intro was amazing. Uh, It added great tone. This beat is incredible. I love the music on this song. I I think my favorite verse on this song... I will agree, Mars just absolutely destroyed. I think my favorite verse on this song was uh, probably Blaze very early on. So hard. So great. And, and you're right. This, like, in retrospect, I can see back in, where, where are we, 2000? 2001, yeah. Okay, I can see back in 2001 this being ambiguous, but in retrospect, it's so incredibly obvious what they're talking about now that we know yeah everything's been revealed right yeah monoxide has this little like singing part in his and i what was that man they bring it back at the end too um it it loops over the outro and i think it's kind of cool i think it was cool when it looped over the outro 
I think it kind of took me out of the song uh, a little bit in the actual verse proper. There's even uh, like a break in that, the music there when he like starts his verse with that sing that help me out like that. It's like yeah. totally breaks and you're like, oh, what? Do, what? Okay. It, yeah, it forces you to pay attention to it. It may it points it out to you, and I was not a fan. But you know, there's nothing wrong about that. Whatever. Madrox also had a perfect circle diss. You know, I've always wondered, and I almost brought it up, but I'm like, there's not enough context there to know. But he says, "No, you sit in perfect circles with disciples of Satan." And I remember at the time this coming out that a perfect circle was a relatively new thing. Side project of Tool. Do you think it's a diss? I mean, it's annotated by by two different people on Genius. But Madrox actually came out, apparently, and said, because people thought it was a diss on Isham. But no, Jamie uh, Madrox actually came out and said he's got nothing against Isham. It was a diss on, it was a diss on A Perfect Circle. Weird. Uh, so yeah, A Perfect Circle's first album, uh, Mare de Nome, came out in uh, on May 23rd, 2000. So this it would have been within a, just maybe just over a year prior to this album coming out. I wonder why they have disses for that. I've never heard any anything about them having beef with a perfect circle or tool. That's weird. Oh, you know what? Okay, hold on. Mustard, the homie mustard, uh, mushy mustard commented on this genius annotation because I clicked on the hyperlink about him saying it was a diss on perfect circle and uh, the site no longer exists. And outside of that, there's nothing that really says. So maybe it's not confirmed yeah that's a weird one but i've always thought it it's was weird, weird one, yeah to say i mean it could have been coincidental which is the thing you know i mean you could have said Very you know much so, yeah. just happens to say you sit in perfect circles he doesn't say a perfect circle so i don't know yeah who knows we'll see i personally think it's just a coincidence or a random reference i don't see anything that proves twisted had beef with a perfect circle but i definitely do Suck my ass, Maynard. Or we won't see because it's irrelevant at this point. Totally, we're talking irrelevant. about the year two thousand one. Yeah, uh, twenty years ago. And nothing, nothing noteworthy happened in two thousand one. Not a thing. Uh, as we're recording this on September twelfth, twenty twenty one. Yeah, no, I thought that this song was was great. I thought this song was great. Sick. Let's move on to track number six. It's called "And We Danced." So, Aaron, what did you think about this track? This song is about, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, dancing with dead people. Uh-huh. That's what it's about. Okay. I I thought it was, but I was like, there's no way it's that surface level. I think there's more to um, it, but we'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. Not only dancing, but being attracted to dead people. Yes. That they're dancing with. I think that uh, this is the one beat on the album that I wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, that being said, I thought it was, I mean, just okay, right? It wasn't mm. anything to write home about. It it was there. And on the surface level, sonically, I think that that sums up this, this whole song is that it was there. But when you actually get into it and get into the uh, lyrics... It has a little bit more to it than that. I think that Minoxide absolutely killed his verse. He had my favorite verse on this song, I think. And it was a weird one. A weird song? 
weird verse and a weird song. This is a weird song. Yeah, I, I don't I didn't really know what to think about this song. Both times I heard it again, sonically, it, it's just kind of there. But there's more to it than that, right? Yeah. And I think weird is the right word. Because my first note is, this is kind of a weird choice. But for as many times as I've listened to this album, my very surface level just listening to the album thoughts were always, this is a weird song to put here. I took it at face value. Uh, I would generally skip over it. Wasn't a huge fan of it. But I didn't hate the song. This is the first time I really put some thought into this. And I actually came up with some interesting things. I think this song is very reminiscent of a song like Cemetery Girl. And ICP Mm. has touched on this topic many times over the years. This is not a new concept necessarily for them. It just, it always felt very out of place to me, six songs in placed here because the tone is very different. And at the same time, I think lightening things up with a somewhat humorous track, even a lighter beat might be necessary to break up the bleakness of the album and add some variation here. I think this is not a song that fully tonally breaks from the album because it still feels on brand with Dark Lotus, but it shows you another dimension of what Dark Lotus can be. So at the top, we've got Jay telling the story of the song, five children of the Lotus sneak into a cemetery because they're going to party and they're joined by five dead women. It's interesting that he says five because there are six members of Dark Lotus. So this must have been recorded prior to Mars being added to the group. I also wonder, and this is the first time I've really thought about this, and I started wondering, is this a metaphor or is it meant to be literal? I guess I always just assumed it was literal, thinking, you know, okay, they went in to smoke some weed and get drunk because he references both of those things. And maybe they get too high and too drunk and they get carried away and dig up or pull dead bodies from a mausoleum. But thinking maybe, you know, because they're really, really like blackout intoxicated, thinking that the dead actually came to life and danced with them. But Jay says company they could only dream of. So maybe they all passed out and this is in their dream. But then Mm -hmm. when I was paying attention to Shaggy's verse, it all came into focus for me. Shaggy says, damn, was there something special in that? When I swallowed it down, it kind of pushed my wig back. In fact, wait, let me rub my eyes. I don't believe what I'm seeing. His drink was spiked and he's hallucinating. So I don't know, though, whether he is actually with a dead body thinking it came back to life or he's imagining the whole thing and there's no dead body there. They're not clear on that. But I do think there's enough clues here to tell us this is not meant to be taken at surface value this is something they think is happening now how dark it is and how messed up it actually is that's up to you to figure out because they don't clarify but i don't think it's about five uh completely sober people hanging out in a cemetery when dead women come to life and dance with them you see what i'm saying oh yeah yeah, absolutely i agree now I do want to point out that on Blaze's verse, this song and this situation shifts perspective because Blaze is dead. He came back from the dead. He is dead. And finding a dead woman that's a good match actually makes sense for him. It fits into his storyline. 
for Jay, he changes up the cadence and it's really kind of funny. He like picks out, I thought for a minute they changed the beat, but the beat is the same that everybody else has. He just focuses on a different aspect of it. And he does this whole like, I was lonely, I had no one, might as well do masturbation, which is hilarious. That's a hilarious line to me. Might as well do masturbation. So right, he, yeah. he watches Shaggy from through the bushes, he jerks off, and then... A dead woman comes to find him. And as silly as the verse starts to sound, I love the way his verse ends because it sounds so gross, but it also has a certain romance to it where he says he asks if he can touch her boobies. And then when he does, her chest rips open and you can see her heart and we danced. I'm like, why is that poetic? There shouldn't be anything that feels poetic about that. But his whole verse is wild. Pretty awesome. I think this is a weird but great song. It's not one of my favorite ones on the album, but I think it's got a place here. I think it's got a place. Yeah, you know, I I think that the purpose of this song, like you said, and I I have this note for another song later as well, is to break up the darkness, is to sort of add that comedic relief. But is six songs in the right place for it? Or is it a little later? It might have been a little later, to be honest. Um, Um, That's really, I think that's probably my biggest issue with this song outside. You know, like I said, it's weird, but it's, it serves a purpose in its weirdness and it's pretty good son. Like, I I think it's fine. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good song. Say, I think the placement of where it is on this album is probably what I take most issue with. You know, I think Um, you might be, I think if it came after black magic, it might make more sense, but I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Swapping uh, that and the next song, uh, which, Eric, I'll let you go ahead and start your thoughts on. Black Magic, what you got? Yeah. So for all of the songs, almost all of them so far, they've been including elements of chants and what sounds like rituals. Some of them, which we know, are from actual texts. But the beginning of this song really does feel like some sort of incantation or or spell that they're chanting. And I think that's pretty fucking cool. In the hook, they say, keep your black tongue off of me. Have you ever listened to that band, Black Tongue? They're pretty heavy. Stop the fuck they're pretty heavy. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to a few of their songs. Yeah. They, I didn't know this, um, but they share members with Infinite Annihilator. I didn't realize that they were like cross. Oh, shit. You know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is a very minimal beat. Even the way the song starts out, it, it's again creates a mood. I think it's pretty cool. There's some very dark sounds, and again, there's some vaguely Middle Eastern musical elements here. And as soon as you hear Violent J singing and then go into the verse, the song loses that whole scary vibe for me. This is pretty much exactly the same concept as the song miracles just 10 years earlier jay talks about all the things that god does which he refers to as magic in this song miracles in the other song but people deny it and ignore it and don't believe it very much this is very much the prototype to miracles the next verse is similar to that opening with that sort of spell or incantation shared by all the members and in that verse There's a backmasked message that says the sixth Joker's card will be followed by the end of time itself. It will consume us all, which is pretty cool. I love that that's that's hidden in there. And uh, because 
this this is this is rumor. This is alleged. They may have talked about this. Actually, I'm sure they talked about it. But because they were incorporating elements of purported actual black magic and chants and spells and rituals, they intentionally changed some of the words and elements slightly because they were worried about, you know, if people were singing along or using this information incorrectly, that it might have negative effects. I also assume that there's that's the reason there's another backmasked element in this song at the bridge, which actually sounds creepy and hard. If you flip it backwards, it says, may God bless Mikey Clark, ICP, Twisted, and most of all the Juggalos and everybody at Psychopathic Records, even you. I never I never really knew what that said, but figure finding that out, looking that up was kind of interesting because this song is the one that most sounds like it has actual, you know, rituals or spells in it. And to put that like for for the sake of safety in there is kind of interesting to me. But what did you think of Black Magic? This song's creepy, man. Yeah. This song is super creepy. I think that uh that this song is different than a lot of the other not necessarily tonally different than the uh, the rest of the album but stylistically different than the rest of the album this song has probably the most backwards talking oh tons uh it's it's a lot of backwards talking the first verse is trade-offs between monoxide uh shaggy madrox and violent j pretty heavily traded off lines and stuff mm-hmm. uh which i wasn't really a huge fan of the um the execution with that but uh i think it was fine i'm glad that they didn't return to doing anything like that outside of uh we, one more verse and that's the verse that has the backwards uh the six jokers card yeah. message yeah this song is creepy the beat is amazing the production on this is amazing i think that you're right. It's very much so a, a pre- precursor to miracles. That little post-chorus Violent J thing is not great. I don't like it, but it is what it is. It only happens twice, so it's fine. But this song, I think, does the job of breaking up the stylistically breaking up and sort of getting you kind of geared back in the, you know, not having the monotony of, of stylistically everything the same, tonally everything the same. Uh, where it keeps that dark tone, but sonically and stylistically, it uh, is something new for your ears to keep you engaged, right? I think, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. So really, we have uh, two songs that break up the monotony of listening to the same thing for over an hour, back to back. We danced and Black Magic. One did it comedically. Uh, one did it stylistically. Well, let's change up sounds and feel and tone dramatically once again with track eight which is called gimme that blood yeah this is talking about wanting to uh drink your blood and not not in the super sexy vampire way this is another one of those songs that jay's tone doesn't seem to match the rest of it maybe not necessarily like like lyrically but tonally, uh, Violent J, it doesn't match uh, for some reason. It just it took me out of it. Uh, I can't quite put my my fingers on why, but sonically, something about his verse took me out of it. The beat was good. The chorus was cool. Things that I wouldn't do to taste your blood. 
I think that uh, I think that Monoxide was unhinged on this song in the in the best way possible. Cut yourself, let it bleed, pulsate, my heartbeat pumping like an 808, a shadow casta, phantasma. I want to take a drink of your plasma. Yeah, he went in hard. Even Mars with the first verse went in hard. Yeah, the only thing I really took issue with was Violent J's verse seeming like it it sonically didn't fit with the rest of the song. Yeah, I also this, he pulled he pulled a black eyed piece. He did. Twice. He black eyed peas it hard. <laughs> Um, uh i'm a blood sucking let's get it started yeah uh. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it started uh. Uh, you know this is it's a big change up there's nothing else on the album like this there's there's like these cartoon sound effects at the beginning that remind me a bit of bizarre bizarre and this it's almost a dance beat to be honest, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very up tempo compared to the rest of the stuff, especially after a track like black magic. It's an interesting change up. And although this is a less serious, almost silly kind of song, subject matter wise, uh, it's literally about drinking blood. This is still a song that I think much like, uh, and we danced still feels on brand for Dark Lotus, even if it's a lighter tone, right? Uh, right. I, I agree. It starts with a Mars verse that's super hard. I'm not a huge fan of the hook, the give me that blood, give me that blood. It's okay, but I think they could have probably done something more interesting. But I do, like you mentioned, I love that sample with the things that I would do to taste your blood. I think that sounds dope. So far on the album, this might be the one that I personally like least, but it's such a unique track with a ton of personality. It adds some fun and changes things up. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a favorite for some people, and I wouldn't skip this if I was listening, but I'm generally eager to get on to the other songs. Uh, I think Violent J's verse sucks in this, not because of necessarily what he says. I just feel like he kind of gave up and didn't put much thought or effort into it. His verse feels kind of like stupid like off the top of his head i think he did a lot of this on dumping just kind of goofy compared to the rest of it like this is a lighter hearted song so you've got some latitude to do that but his verse was like kind of stupid I-, I don't know then right following his are blaze and madrox's verses which are super fucking hard which just makes his feel even more out of place not a bad oh, yeah. song. I don't think Jay's verse destroys the song or anything, but it does stop it down literally and figuratively. That's my thoughts. I think we are pretty much in agreement. Pretty much. So let's move on to the next song. A song called Headache, What You Got. Man, I fucking love this beat. And I love the hook on this one too. Uh, this is my favorite hook on maybe any of their songs. I just love it. Uh, and it includes that line, I cut the head off the devil and I throw it at you. And it's funny because when we were watching Death Racers for movie night, Shaggy says that to like big bad guy at the end. And I was like, wait a minute, that's that's from one of their songs. Which song? Uh, it's also from an Esham song, but this is the one I was thinking of. So that was funny. Mm-hmm. Monoxide and Madrox fucking murder this track with their verses up at the top. This, I think this song might have some of the scariest and creepiest musical production on the album. And the song is about hearing voices and being emotionally tortured by them. The bridge, again, is another actual spell or incantation of some some sort, it sounds like. And it's it's pretty wild. It's Jamie Madrox saying it. And it's like, 
it's it's the same stuff but in in separated from left and right tracks and it's like in reverse or something i don't know what effect they did there but it's cool shaggy's verse is hard i think mars's verse feels a little too try hard and edgy for me on this one but it doesn't destroy the song and i love that the song ends with the hook just repeating out and jay's voice getting more strained almost like raising to a scream it just sort of underscores like the the anguish that they're trying to relate in this song but yeah i i mean i can't say a whole lot bad about this one what were your thoughts yeah this song uh i I, there's pretty much nothing bad i can say about it honestly um i think that this song is the second favorite of my choruses on this album second favorite we'll get to my first later Okay. Uh, but I thought that the beat was amazing. This is the by far the creepiest beat we've heard thus far and probably will hear. The bridge was amazing. That sort of vocal effect. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was sort of trying to read into it. So what Mustard says on, on Genius uh, is that when the words uh, in the right ear are put in reverse order, uh, they're similar to the words in the left ear. Oh, for the bridge where Madrox is doing that. For the bridge, yes, yeah. the bridge. The stuff yeah. about Pythona. Yes, yes. So that's sort of what's happening. Uh, a little confusing, but anyway, whatever the fuck they did, it's fucking cool. Yeah. I think Mars. So, so first of all, you're right. Up top, Monoxide and uh, Madrox, they just kill their verses. I think Mars might have had my favorite uh, verse on this on this song, though. Really? Uh, his is late. His is late. It's the last verse before the chorus and then an outro. It was just hard, and it was like, damn. See, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Because, and we'll get to this more next week, but there, I think there are people diehard on both sides of the Mars version of this album is the only one that matters. And uh-huh. I'm sort of in that camp, but not necessarily for the, the reasons you might think. But see, on this track, I was like Mars's verses. I feel like he he's trying too hard there. But I mean, I think if you if for fans of more traditional like sort of wicked shit horrorcore, I think what Mars is doing is very aligned with that style. And so oh, yeah. it works here. But it depends on 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 I mean, always depends on preference. So interesting that that was the Absolutely. verse that I liked least, and it's the one that you liked most. Though that's cool. It's hard to pick a verse that you like the most on a song like this because there are so many great ones. But man, just something with the Mars verse and how it was delivered. Uh, I don't know, just kind of stuck with me more. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. All right, well, let's move on to track number ten. This one's called "Bad Rep." Tell me your thoughts. First thing that stood out to me was uh, the chorus uh, being super catchy. It's Violent J. It's the first thing you hear as well, but it ends up being the chorus and ends up uh, recurring. I love the chorus. I thought that the uh, the beat on this song was incredible. Jay actually killed his verse, in my opinion. It's funny. The, his verse is very ICP. Yeah, I could have cocaine come with a crack pipe dick and I couldn't get a bass head to buff my shit like that's that's pretty classic ICP, right? Totally. And I think in this song in particular, it worked rather than we've talked in the past on previous songs, how maybe it doesn't work so much, uh, but I think it worked 
very well after this, but that is not the standout. The standout is Blaze blasting in with his verse right after uh, Violent J's bridge, but then Blaze comes in with a killer verse after that that was just incredible. Huge standout. I think Shaggy's verse was kind of weak. He's got one. He will kiss my ass. The red eye marks the spot. I mean, it, it was a classic Shaggy verse, right? Totally. Even though uh, he won't just, show his butthole to people. They, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Referencing that uh, Ouija Mac Instagram post. Was it a TikTok? <laughs> I, it became a total thing. It Yeah, it did. Yeah, no, I think the bad rep is a, is a pretty good song. There, there's not much bad I can say about it outside of Shaggy's verse just kind of not really fitting. You know, he had a classic ICP verse, but I don't think it fit in uh, as well as Jay's classic ICP verse that he delivered. What were your thoughts? Well, it's okay that you don't have anything bad to say, because I'll say bad things. Oh, perfect. This sounds like a Bizarre Bizarre track to me. Is that a bad thing? I personally like Bizarre Bizarre. This is easily my least favorite track on this album. I Number one, I'm not a big fan of the beat. And I just don't feel like this song belongs here at all. It doesn't fit with the theme of the album. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit with the the tone of the group. This is a skip every time for me. There's no Mars on this track. And because of the sound of the music and who's on it, I'm fairly certain this is a Mike Clark track. I, I actually would be willing to bet that this was recorded during the Bizarre Bizarre sessions. Is it a terrible song? No. Does it make sense for this album? Not in the least. If you want to do lighter songs and change stuff up, do tracks like We Danced and Give Me That Blood, because they at least feel on brand, even though the tone is is different. It's lighter, right? The song is about people not liking you. Mom and Daddy love me? No. Anybody love me? No. And Violent J's verse, you're right, is just a straight up goofy ICP verse. If this was on a different album, I'd feel differently, but it does. I don't, I feel, it feels so out of place to me here. Like it just, nothing about it feels like a dark Lotus track. It feels like an ICP track. I agree. Uh, I think it does feel like an ICP track. I think I didn't, uh, you know, I liked it more than you. That's all it is. And that's uh, okay. <laughs> and that is okay, guys. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one then. And that is a song called bitch. I'm sexy. What do we got? I think. They should have just left bad rep off and went straight to this track because this feels like a Lotus song and it fits much better with the tone and feel of the album while still lightening the mood and adding some humor. I don't think they needed two humorous tracks in a row, but this to me is a super cool beat. Another very different, like nothing else on the album quite like this. It's an interesting track because to me, this is deeper than you'd think. They're talking about going from being obscure underground artists to having sudden fame over the past few years and now encountering women who don't understand who they are, but who want to sleep with them just because they're famous. Like, it's a funny song, but there's some real underlying emotion here because, like, if you listen to Behind the Paint on Bizarre Bizarre, they t- it touches on some of the same stuff, but in a very serious tone. Uh, so... Obviously, these were recorded around the same time. This was a thought that was, you know, in their heads. Kind of interesting. I think the verses are dope here. The hook is super dope. And I especially, especially love Violent J's verse, how it starts. Because he says, Bitch, ain't I sexy? Want to take a ride in my Lexi? Well, I had cut a Lexi. 
I got a taxi, get the fuck in, floor it, and pay for it. Every time I hear that, I'm like, that's so awesome. Like, if you want to put funny verses in, this is the way to do it, and this is the type of song to put it in. And, you know, we talked about the last song, Jay's verse, just feeling like a straight-up goofy ICP verse. This verse is very much an old school ICP meets new school ICP type verse, but it works here and it's hard. I feel like Mars probably doesn't belong on this song because he isn't really having the same experiences as that psychopathic crew. Also, his verse is the most edgelordy and tryhard verse on the entire album here, so I don't love the way it ends, but uh, overall, I think this song is is really cool, really fun. What did you think? I hate the biggest standout to me is I hated the chorus on this song. Really? Um, yeah, I was not a, uh, a fan of it, man. I was not a fan of it at all. I, I think we're, we're, we're missing each other on this one. I'm not a huge fan of this song. This might be the least, my least favorite on the album, honestly. Interesting. Um, it, uh, I mean, it's fun, right? It's silly, I guess. Very silly. I think that, it's just weird and doesn't really quite fit. Blaze's verse made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's graphic. It's graphic. And I also, it, I hate that he, he refers to her as a young bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Blaze? Why did you do that? <laughs> and bitch. then my dick slides up in and out your face. I mean, that is just, at this point, I'm, I'm a, at this point, at this point, I'm watching, uh, mentally watching Blaze get his dick sucked, and I hate it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. No, yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of this, so I don't really have uh, much to say about it. I think, uh, God, you're right. Violent J delivers a verse that is old school and new school ICP all at once. And I also like the premise that, like, if you're a groupie, you don't get to choose which one of us you fuck. You like get assigned. <laughs> you're right, right. And it's like, right, like it, you, it's very likely you're gonna take somebody that like is like part like, of our crew or something. One of our, yeah, one of our fucking like the fucking just muscle that like sets up the stage. Yeah, <laughs> like I thought that that premise was was pretty funny. It's but pretty uh, outside outside of J outside of that J verse, I don't know. A lot of it was weird to me. I, I wasn't a fan. All right. Well, then let's move on to the next song. This is track number 12, and it's called The Swarm. I'm sorry, just Swarm. The Swarm is a different song. <laughs> I got your joke. Ha, ha, ha. Just kidding. It wasn't funny. You're a dork. Uh, what were your thoughts on Swarm? <sighs> well, my first thought is, holy shit, Mars, that flow. This is a song that uh, the verses are like everybody gets a couple lines and they just kind of go in order and, and circle around. So I think Mars has like three lines, two lines. Everybody has two lines. Yeah, it's quick um, trade-offs. Quick, very quick trade-offs, which is dope. I mean, it keeps things interesting because you're hearing different voices very quickly in succession with one another. I think Mars just absolutely... Everybody went in and thought like this is going to be good, and Mars went in with the with the mindset of I'm going to murder this song until there's nothing left to murder, because he he seems even in like like the second verse, which is the exact same thing, 
his flows just seem to be like a cut above everybody else's. Not necessarily saying that his lyrics were better or, or his content necessarily was better, but the way he delivered what he had was with just like his whole chest with all his effort. And, and I think that it, it showed through and I think it was amazing. The chorus is, and it's annotated here by uh, Mushy Mustard. These specific lines were taken directly from Mass of the Phoenix Ritual by occultist uh, Alistair Crowley, uh, which I know you brought him up earlier. Mm-hmm. Although the uh, original text is longer, the barred lines are pretty much the entire course. But yep. yeah. this is also where I found out and where it's annotated that so they altered some lines to prevent juggalos from unknowingly casting curses on themselves. There you go. Very, uh, very considerate of them. Yeah, super considerate. Um, no, I think that this song was great. I think that the way they presented this song with the quick trade-offs of lines kept you in it because at this point it's, you know, you're late in the album. We always, we talk about this every week, the point in which you get late in the album. And I think that, this album as a whole keeps your attention way better than, you know, the Ridas albums that we've reviewed in the recent past, uh, which was all one of the, you know, the same one thing. Yeah. Whereas this one has made the effort to break it up, to shift in, in styles, to shift in tones and stuff like that. Uh, but even then you're still at this point, like 48 minutes into this album. Yeah. Um, and I think that the I, I think that Swarm does a great job stylistically delivering these quick trade-off lines to keep you peaked. I think putting a track this hard and with this much like character and impact this deep into the album, like you've got enough tracks that are bangers that you can put songs like this this deep in the album. Fuck yes, right? Like you every time I get to this, when you get to that intro, I actually I, I I had always assumed that voice, the I guess it's multiple voices at the beginning in that intro screaming. I thought it was saying God is dead, but I, I see that it's annotated saying God is here. But I I kind of feel like if you really listen close, it almost sounds like he's saying God is there. But I'm not I'm not sure hmm. either way. That intro is so fucking hard. I, I really, I love this beat. When Blaze starts that first verse, it's like hard enough that I'm like punching holes in walls. Like, oh yeah, I, I'll, I'll talk about like, you want to, you want to like fucking get in the pit and fucking swing fists. This is a song that you can do that to, even though it's straight up hip hop track. Like there are yeah. what I'm going to call guitar type sounds on this, but I think they're synth patches and they really just add to the texture of the song rather than feeling like wailing rock guitars coming in for a gross chorus or something. And it just, it makes it feel thick and heavy. And like you said, those trade-offs between MCs really work here because you're alternating between slow verses and fast verses. Again, the only detraction from this song for me is that Jay delivers a lot of goofy lines that don't feel like they fit. It's not so egregious that it big time trashes the song, like, but I will say, unlike Riders, I'd be okay without this kind of levity. On tracks like this, just go all in and fuck all the silly stuff, right? Like, I, the only thing is, I don't know if Jay knows it's silly. Like, he does have a few hard lines, but then he's saying things like, 
I'll swing from your ceiling fan like an ape and stomp your head till it pops like a grape. And I'm like, you just said that. And then Mars jumps in with you flatline because I shut your face nine times. You see bright white lights. Then you feel your heart stop. I'm like, there's a there's a there's a, a disconnect here. Like you're saying silly things. And the rest of the song is so fucking hard. But I, I don't know. I love this track. I love I, I fucking love the hook on this one. That sound and that cadence uh, again like you said it's oh, another yeah. ritual chant but that is that's sick that is a sick hook on this yeah um, it's good it's yeah good yeah cool track though i really like this one well hey perfect we're in agreement let's uh move on to the next song called i want to die what are your thoughts when i listen to this my my thought is this has to be one of the first dark lotus tracks they recorded because it has such a, a jekyll brothers vibe Tonally, it feels a lot more like Echo Side. I don't think it really aligns with the rest of the album or the sounds here. It feels like from a previous era, but I, I don't necessarily think that that makes it a bad thing. I, this song is literally about dying or wanting to die, but not so much in like a morbid way, but more about pondering death and what would happen where you're going and with what you leave behind. Again, in this song... Somehow Jay just doesn't know how to be serious. This could be a serious song, but he talks about getting angel wings, then cutting them off and cooking them to make some wing dings. And I'm like, everybody else's verse are dark and really good. Jay is being yeah. goofy. I don't love the hook on this one, but it works. Again, no Mars on this track. And to me, Blaze feels almost added on at the end. But for me, this track and the next one really stall the energy and momentum of the album. I don't hate this song, but I'm not sure... It just doesn't feel like it's it belongs here. It, it, this it, this song to me is a huge indication of the production issues that they were experiencing and the many lineup changes. But what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think that this song is held up by the hook, which is my favorite chorus on the album. It's I mean it's uh, good. It sounds right good. It sounds great. Other than that. You're to, I'm like, this is pretty okay at best as far as everything else. Shaggy's doing this sort of half singing sometimes in his verse that is just, I don't like. Monoxide starts up with some super smooth flows that sounded pretty cool. But this is sort of a weird song that felt not fully cohesive. And a lot of it has to do with, you're right, Violent J delivering these goofy lines like the Angel Wings one, which I think that the annotation on that on Genius is hilarious. Oh, I don't know. What, uh, it's, what does it say? It's just uh, if he gets wings like this and it shows a, like a, a painting of an angel, he, uh, he's going to cut them and cook them to make this. And then it just shows a picture of wings with ranch and like carrots. chicken wings. <laughs> yeah. Chicken wings. Uh, I, just, I just thought like the, this is definitely a backhanded annotation. That's like, I don't approve of this line, but this is what he's saying. I, I would normally mark that as restates the line, but at the same time, it's like, no, go ahead and make fun of that line. Go for yeah, it. But you know what? Let's go. Yeah. Let's go ahead and make fun of this one. But yeah, it's, kind of felt cobbled together as far as theme goes nobody was really quite on it in the icp camp i think that everybody else delivers some some really good dark lines but the hook is what single-handedly holds this song up for me that's how much i enjoyed it all right well cool that's i want to die 
Let's talk about track 14 called The Crows. The Crows. My first note is forgaven. Come on, Jay. (laughs) Now, see, Jay is Uh, all about mispronouncing things, but I think that one was intentional to try and rhyme. And I'm like, come on. It it was definitely intentional to rhyme with Raven. And it's like, uh, I had had to call him out on it, which I'm sure a lot of people uh, probably do. I think I, I honestly don't have a lot of notes for this song. I think that the it's pretty forgettable. It's not terrible. It's not a bad song. I just I, it's also not great. It kind of just exists. And also the chorus is hot garbage in my opinion. We have a lot of backwards lyrics in this one as well. It's really nothing to write her home about. Speak for yourself. I literally just sent my parents an email about this song. No, I, I agree with you. As a matter of fact, this song is so unremarkable that I would love to know if this is anybody's favorite track on the album. You know, I dig the beginning. When it starts, that sort of like tones with, with somebody crying, that feels pretty scary. But then once it starts in, I'm like, oh, okay, tone has changed. Again, I would say this feels like another song that was probably recorded. Uh, around the same time as I Want to Die in Echo Side. However, there are some elements that feel more aligned with the production that are present in most of the, the the newer songs. So I don't know. There's no Blaze or Mars on this track. It's just ICP and Twisted. I feel like Crows have come up many times in ICP songs. So this is, I don't know if this is the first time, but it's definitely not the only time. This beat is so minimal that there almost isn't a beat for most of the song. I think the hook is the only part of the song where a beat really comes in. And even then, it's like spoken word over the beat. The like, right. our father of Shangri-La, hallowed be thy name. This, more than a ritual or a chant, is a prayer. This sounds like a prayer. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Jay is definitely more serious on this track. But you're right. Has some of his signature mispronunciations. Uh, Forgaven is not the only one. I think the the bridge with the pitch down voice kind of sounds like crap. They bring it back for the end of the song, and I don't really like that. I mean, this track is a mood, but it's like halfway between a song and an interlude. I don't know if it does right. a whole lot for me. Yeah, completely agreed. Completely agreed. Well, let's move on to the next track then. Let's. And that is track number 15, Juggalo Family. Eric, what are your thoughts? So this is the actual last song on the album, right? Track 16 is is a hidden track, although they're all technically hidden tracks. But I'm just going to say right off the top, this is the ultimate Juggalo anthem. They never needed to make another one after this. I think this is fucking amazing. Uh, This is not a heavy, scary, dark type song like the other Lotus tracks are. But it embodies the concept of Dark Lotus in a different way by bringing the whole psychopathic family together and really just signifying that unity and the community that they have built. When the song starts, it feels super abrupt to me, almost like there was supposed to be something else before it, like there was supposed to be a different song before it, because it like immediately just starts in like with partway into like that sort of noodly guitar riff where somebody's just kind of messing around in that sample of Violent J saying they asked me if I'd trade, you know, 10 Juggalos for a hundred mainstream fans. And he says, I wouldn't trade 10 Juggalos for a hundred thousand mainstream fans. Like I love that sample. 
But it, they, I, I can't help but wonder if there was supposed to be something else before this or if this was supposed to come after something else or what. But this this song has so much fucking heart, even with Mars in there, who I don't necessarily consider to be part of Psychopathic, even at that time felt a little out of place because he wasn't on the label. It felt really good. Like every verse on this track is great. I think Shaggy's verse particularly shines like just is really awesome. But the tough part about listening to this is hearing Twisted and Blaze on this track with ICP. Like it it kind of made me feel some sort of way. Like they're saying, I'll always have Juggalo family forever. Whatever comes, I'll have Juggalo family. It feels so real and genuine that I'm like, what the fuck happened? Can't we just go back to this? Like it just, it works. Uh, but, But what did you think? Yeah, I don't really have much bad to say about this at all. Uh, I think that this is the definitive Juggalo anthem. Uh, You're right. I don't think they should have even written any more after this. I get why they did a lot. A lot of it being, you know, they can't perform this song because half of it is is written by people that they're actively beefing with. Yep. To this day, the beat was dope. I was shaky on the chords chorus at first, but I really came around to it. Really ended up loving it. This song is dope. You're right. You listen to Twisted and and ICP be together on this and and embodying Dark Lotus in you're right a different way in the the family sense. It's you feel some type of way because you're like, man, this is this is what should have always been, and this is what I think every fan of ICP, every Juggalo, probably secretly longs for. <laughs> hard not to you know a, an alternate reality where they never beef yeah i wonder I if we'll ever bad to say about the song yeah. it's a good song it's i wonder great. if we'll ever see the day when when they come back together and perform this again that would be hard as hell that would be hard you think maybe with jay's recent health issues he's going to start reconsidering beefs that he has yeah i wondered that i actually i had that same thought like Sometimes these types of things put your your life into perspective. Like when Mike Clark was, you know, hospitalized for months and almost died with pneumonia and he was like, "Hey, life's too short for this. I need to reconcile with these guys," you know. Um yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Uh, it would be amazing, but I think it's not just Jay. I think it's stuff on both sides. I think there's Yeah. There there's a lot of uh water that still needs to go under that bridge. Yeah, Jay's coming. Uh, Jay coming to terms with it. It would be a step towards a long path of what would need to happen for yeah things that you know. It's not. He's definitely not hanging it up. That's for sure. Well, hey, um, that that's my thoughts on Juggalo Family. Okay, let's let's move on to the last track ish. We don't have to talk a lot about this. We don't have to go in depth on it. But since we're talking about family and community. Let's talk about the hidden or last track.com. Uh, my first note, I have two notes on this song. My first note is, okay, I don't think I need notes on this. <laughs> right. My second note is beat is cool. <laughs> it is a cool beat. Um, so essentially, guys, this is violent. This is all of Dark Lotus. Well, actually, no, Mars. No Mars. Is, yeah. yeah, no Mars. Okay, so this is... Uh, Dark Lotus Sans Mars shouting out Juggalo websites and forums across the world. Yeah. And restaurants and sports teams, including porn for Juggalos. Is that a thing? It was shouted out. Weird. Uh, the song's called dot com. 
it's there's an it's a quick intro of uh violent J just saying there's a lot of important people involved in making the juggalo world go round and this is a special shout out to those and then the shout outs start happening yeah i mean juggalo family is such a great way to end this album i kind of wish they had just let it be the end and yet i'm not mad at this because like i said this song extends the concept of family and community by shouting out people there's i mean it really illustrates just how their community was growing at the time and i think it's it's a way of giving back and thanking all of these people that are supporting them but also just recognizing that this is something even bigger than them you know what i mean oh yeah so it's stupid to put this at the end after the perfect closing track for an album and yet i'm not too angry about it no this this is probably the least mad i've ever gotten uh about a song of this nature that they do at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it works. Uh, Cause it works. It works. I mean, it ties in. Yeah. And the beat was cool. Yes. And there wasn't 10 minutes of silence. No. I, although like I a think a lot of, I think on the original CD, there was silence, but I'm not, I can't remember for sure. I wouldn't put it past them. No, there wasn't. Uh, well guys, that is tales from the Lotus pod. Let's talk about our overall thoughts. Let's I'll go first. Go for it. This felt like the super group that everybody needed. This is the first time we're listening to a Dark Lotus album. We listened to two Rida's pieces of work, as well as a Golden Goldie's piece of work, both of which were great, fun super groups to talk about and experience. But this feels like the real super group. And with that being said, they put out something that is... Not them trying to put on characters, not them trying to put on an act and and do something outside of what they do in their personal music careers. They were themselves. They did what they did. They do best, and they did a very good job at it. There's a few uh, tracks that I feel like were misses. There's a few tracks that had elements of of misses, such as silly lyrics that didn't fit the tone or you know, what have you, but this album top to bottom, I believe is very good. There's not much wrong with it. If you listen to it top to bottom, there's not much wrong with it. There's stylistic breaks and changes and shifts. There's tonal changes and shifts where there need to be shifts in order to keep your attention. Only one of those was, was really premature. Right. Mm. And I thought that that was, um, and we danced, but outside of that, I mean, we're, this is a solid listen through, top to bottom. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. It's tough for me to say a lot bad here because I think, and at, at the risk of sounding a little too hyperbolic or extremist, I think this is a landmark album and should be regarded as such. I think Oh yeah. when it came out, this was a moment in time. And if you were there for it, this album probably means a lot to you. I think these songs fucking rock. The beats rock. It was equally the end of era and the beginning of a new era. Uh, I do think that the production gets a little messy here and there, not in individual tracks, but in the sense that these songs were clearly in production over several years and multiple possible lineups and producers. And with 
very few exceptions, I still think they made it work. I think it it actually, in some regards, added to the interest of the album. I definitely could pick a couple songs to leave off. Uh, I I know which ones they would be that I and if I think if you took them off, I think it for me would make a a more cohesive, better album. But overall, I can't complain. I'm not mad that anything specifically is really here. I will say, though, I'm okay with Dark Lotus just being dark and scary and serious on most songs and then having some songs that are lighter and funny, but still horror themed. Unlike Rida's, I simply don't need Jay's goofy lines to remind me what I'm listening to. I know that this is a psychopathic release, and this style feels aligned with these artists. It's okay to go that direction. Uh, so I'm not saying it's a complaint. It's part of his personality. It's part of what he does. But man, there's a few songs where if he had just focused in and, and delivered as serious and scary of lines as some of the other people, man, those songs would have hit just that much harder. But oh, but yeah, yeah. this oh, is yeah. this is a great album. This is a great album. Yeah, you know, I think that we are pretty much uh, in agreement. Yeah. And I always love when we're in agreement. So let's talk about our personal favorite tracks. I will say one of my favorites, I think, is is Juggalo Family, which obviously is the last real track. But I think that's a given. I think we knew we were going to that was going to be a personal favorite Mm -hmm. Uh, outside of that one, because it is it is a legendary song. I loved Hurt Myself. It was it was uh, probably my top one outside of that. Something is really good, but hurt myself. I think I have to go with my official fave. I have a top three, and then I have two more after it. And hurt myself and Juggalo Family are my my other two because I think they're so good. I had to like at least mention them. But my top three, uh, I think my top one is Headache. I think it's just so fucking hard. And then call upon your gods and swarm. Like those are my three, I think top favorite tracks, but then hurt myself and juggle a family after that. So, so headache and hurt myself would be our picks from this. Uh, Unfortunately, we cannot put them on the playlist because this version of the album for obvious reasons is not available on streaming services. I gotta say headache and hurt myself would have been bangers on this playlist. Well, Um, but yeah, next week, maybe. We'll see, yeah, because next week we will be talking about something that I'm going to talk about after we talk about what our... After we talk about what we're about to talk about? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk Fago scores. Yes. Uh, So let's go ahead and start with music and beats. I slapped this one with a straight up four and a half. I think that whatever happened with this production, it happened in all the right ways. Uh, there wasn't really much that I didn't like save one song that I wasn't a huge fan of the beat. But outside of that, I think that it, this is fantastically produced and put together. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually, I gave it a four. I think there's some inconsistency here, likely from all of those producer changes, but except even with those changes, which I think they made work for them, except for two or three tracks, I love the music here. But on those other two or three tracks, I'm not a huge fan of it. I want to address something quickly, though. I have heard people say there's a lot of rock guitars on this album. I mentioned this earlier, but I really don't think there is. I think guitar is present, but there's no effort to make these songs sound like rock songs. The guitar or guitar-like synth tones, I think, are used in really... Uh, effective ways that feel like they they fit with and complement these super dark hip-hop beats. I don't think it's in-your-face wailing shitty rock guitars. And I think 
this works. We have we have hounded on guitar sounds in their songs before, and I think none of the issues that bother me in some of those other albums and songs are present here. And so I, I do God, like no. that. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. People think that there's a lot of this. It, it's different. It's yeah. executed well. Yes. And we've always said that we would like it if executed well. This is example of execu- uh, well executed. Agreed. So let's talk lyrics sure. and flows. Yeah, lyrics and flows. I think that uh, Twisted and Blaze, I think that they all around killed it. Mars did pretty well, uh, pretty good as well. And overall, I think ICP wasn't bad, save the few times we talked about them just being overly silly. I don't think that they were the standouts. There's a few songs where where Jay and, and Shaggy's verses were the standouts, but for the most part, I feel like their verses serve to exist alongside amazing verses from uh, Madrox or Monoxide or Blaze. But it's good, though, but like it's okay because it's not up to ICP to carry this. This is a super group. Although they had the weaker flows on this album, they still overall were pretty good. Uh, I ended up giving them a, a three and a half for lyrics and flows. All right. I, you know, I, I agree with, with part of what you said. I think that ICP was the main draw for a lot of people here, right? I don't think a lot of people are going to go out in 2001 and rush to buy the new Dark Lotus album if it's everybody on Psychopathic except for ICP. I think ICP yeah. was was what brought a lot of people to the table. Not to say they didn't like Twisted and Blaze, and I don't think there's a single person except for his mom that went out and bought this album because Mars was on it. But I, I think you're right in the sense that ICP is a bit outleagued by this amazing talent that they brought to their label. Even Mars on on a lot of verses is just killing it, right? And I, I don't think ICP's verses are bad, but and I think if they were on an ICP album, we probably wouldn't have shit to say about it. But when you put them against all these other MCs, you start to notice those things, right? Um, and I think Shaggy held his own pretty well through most of it, to be honest. And Jay at times slaughtered this and at other times was like uh maybe you're in a different headspace i don't know i gave this for some of the similar reasons a four and i would actually go higher because i really like what they did here but i do think a lot of mars's stuff was kind of try hard and edgy and i think some of like we said jay's verses felt unnecessarily goofy and pulled me out however that's part of jay's personality and that's what he's doing but yeah i, I went with a four Perfect. Overall vibe. I think that this has a very cohesive overall vibe. Like I said up top, when we first started talking about uh, it with Alibaba, this comes out of the gate saying, if you didn't catch it from our name, we are Dark Lotus. This is, you know, listen to the intro again if you're fucking confused. Like, this is very straightforward. And then they kept that theming through the whole thing. Even Juggalo Family, which wasn't a dark song, still keeps the theme of Dark Lotus alive, uh, like you were saying, in a different sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that overall vibe of this album is incredibly strong. I gave it a four because top to bottom, save a couple songs that were placed there maybe unintentionally, 
uh, but placed in the right spot to break up the monotony of listening to the same thing. And even then that serves its purpose. uh, As far as the vibe goes, that's not even a hit on the overall vibe. Big four for me. Yeah. I think they created a vibe here, right? They created a, a tone, a mood, a feeling, and Somehow within that, within staying relatively consistent for, I'd say, 80% of of the songs on this album, they still managed to change things up and show you different aspects of, of this group's personality. And most of that worked. I think if they had left off Bad Rep and maybe .com, which again, I'm not angry about being there, and possibly like a track like The Crows or I Want to Die, um, just to tighten this up a little and really give it a, a feel. I think I probably would have just given this a straight up five, but even those things couldn't hurt it that bad. I gave it a 4.5 for overall vibe because I think this really, they really nailed it here. Uh, well, hey, what, what's our uh, overall average score? Our overall average score is a 4.08, which is a four Fago review. Hey, strong. Anything that can hit a four Fagos, strong. Yeah. Real I, strong. I actually, I feel like I could have gone half point higher on a lot of my stuff, but they all, there was reasons why I felt like I wanted to knock it down for different yeah. purposes. Well, uh, hey, numbers don't lie. No, 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 no. That That's really good. Four, I mean, it could be a four and a half, but it's a four and the numbers, like you said, they don't lie. What do you think? The numbers are stupid, dumb, idiot liars? Because they're not. No. The numbers know their shit. They're numbers. If if you think that numbers are stupid, dumb, idiot liars, I got news for you, pal. You're the stupid, dumb, idiot liar. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, that was our review of Tales from the Lotus Pod, uh, the red version. Next week, we're going to be reviewing uh, their debut 2002 album, Tales from the Lotus Pod gold version. Sort of a, uh, a debut, a re-debut? I, I guess, yeah, it would be a uh, the debut, the post-debut debut. It's still the debut album, but different? But different, yes. Debut V2. And to have this conversation, because obviously we won't go as in-depth on every song because we did on this one. We're going to talk mostly about the differences, what our feelings are about one version versus the other. We're bringing a special guest to add to the conversation next week. The homie Jiggles will be here with us. Jiggles. I can't wait. I, can't I love wait. talking to him. I it's going to be great. Jiggles is um, just awesome. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be super great uh talking to Jiggles. So, guys, keep a lookout for that. Until then, Eric, where can people find us? You can find us on the internet Go to the social medias, specifically Twitter and Instagram. If you go to any of the other ones, you're not going to find us. But on those two specific platforms, you can find us at ICPWWE. The WWE stands for With We, not World Wrestling Entertainment. If you're more of an email type ninja, you can email us at ICPWWE. WWE at gmail.com. Again, the WWE there stands for with we, not World Wrestling Entertainment copyright. So if you want to just find me, though, if you just want to talk to me, if you want to send me something or catch up or say hello or send 
pictures or money, you can find me on Twitter at nuclear is lonely. Aaron, where can people find you? You can find me and all my socials at www.aaronlocklear.com. You can also find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash gristle media, where I stream about five days a week doing some great stuff. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to uh, support us monetarily, there's a few ways you can do so. One of them being our merch site, storefrontier.com slash ICPWWE. The WWE in that one does stand for World Wrestling Entertainment, though. Ooh, we're about uh, to get so sued. Make sure, Shit. make sure you think about World Wrestling Entertainment when you're typing it in or else it'll take you to the wrong place. Fuck. Um, yeah, I know. I, I couldn't get uh, with we. I could only get World Wrestling Entertainment. And if uh, you accidentally type it and you're thinking with we, just go back and dictionary dub it World Wrestling Entertainment so it goes to the correct URL. The correct one. Cor- yes. Absolutely. You can support us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash ICPWWE. That is uh, Wiener Wiener Erection. So make sure you think. <laughs> Wiener Wiener Erection whenever you're typing that one in uh, or you'll go to the wrong one. Yeah. Um, Wiener Wiener Chicken Diener. Yep. Wiener Wiener Chicken Diener. (laughs) That's. You're fired. Yeah, that happened. Guys, (laughs) everybody, if you want to tell Eric how fucking awful that joke was, (laughs) you can join our discord where we are hanging out with the most amazing people in the world on a daily basis that is it that is us take it or leave it bitch i'll see you next week for eric i'm aaron whoop 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 Yeah. I just dropped my phone that had all my notes. Pick your stupid phone up, bitch. And I have my stupid phone up now, bitch. <laughs> um <laughs>